0: Welcome to Out of
1: Rich Darkness. I'm Camille Savage-Kroll. And I'm Elena Chia. We're both professors at the University of Music in Freiburg, Germany.
0: In this podcast, we reimagine the ways in which we learn and make music and explore how it can be part of a holistic, healthy way of being in the world.
1: recorded these interviews. What can we say? Life happened. It was a very challenging transition, coming back from being in lockdown and mostly restricted, and finding a way to make music in person while keeping everyone safe. So a few things slid by the wayside, but we're back, and we're excited
0: about this season. We interviewed three of our colleagues from the Music University of Freiburg, and it was a great opportunity to hear about their ideas and their lives. are so happy to share this wonderful conversation with Johannes Scherhuan with you. It is a turns deeply philosophical, thought provoking and playful. Johannes graciousness and keen sense of humor make it thoroughly enjoyable for us. And we are sure you will enjoy it too. This conversation was recorded on November 8 2021. Before the Russian invasion of Ukraine which is why we don't mention it at the end when we are discussing the state of things. It is a a very great pleasure to have Johannes Schöhorn with us today. Johannes has been actively helping to shape musical life not only here in Germany for many years as a prolific composer, a conductor of leading ensembles and orchestras around the world, and also as a teacher. His many works include music theater, compositions for orchestra, chamber music, and solo works, as well as original arrangements and instrumentations. I've recently been quite taken by a collection of 19 second long miniature music videos, which are part of a series called It 19, a project for the Institute of New Music here in Freiburg. You can check those out on the Vimeo site um, and find mini music videos from Johannes there and perhaps even be inspired to make your own Movid 19. We also have the pleasure of calling Johannes our colleague here at the Musikhochschule Freiburg and I've been honored to collaborate with him as part of a team on a concert series featuring women. We recently also cooperated to create a composition module for the Master Program in Elemental Music Pedagogy. Johannes, I'm really thrilled that you're taking the time for us today, and I would love to start the conversation, if I can, by asking you about the role that music played in your childhood. And um, maybe I can explain part of my job as a music educator is often helping people remember what it was that sparked their love for, for music originally. And I believe that these, these sparks hold important keys for unlocking our capacity to share music with others. Can you share with us, were there musical moments in your childhood that had a strong impact on you?
2: Well, I, I think maybe I had a, a very strong musical moment before I was born because my my father is a, was an or, organist and co- uh, conductor wow, so wow. so i'm sure that before i was born i heard the sound of an organ and of course i i what is really 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 important for me is that the feeling to, to to feel the body of the of the organ of the instrument as oh, yeah. not just the sound it, it is a physical experience right. especially when i was a child. I was sitting beside my father, and he asked me to change the registers. And I asked him mm. to change the keys uh, when he was improvising in tonal music or whatever. Uh, so that was for sure very important for me, without knowing it. Right. Yeah. That's wow.
0: Yeah, I can imagine that so well. I had the pleasure of taking a group of kids into into an organ in uh, here in Freiburg once and and we stood underneath the huge organ pipes and to see children also having this experience of feeling the vibrations in their whole bodies is really magical so I can I can very well understand how that how that influenced you as a child I think it sounds like it was positive
2: it was positive I, th- I think I wouldn't have become a composer if, <laughs> or right. a musician if if it would not have been positive because it's it's the first experience. I like what I like is the difference between listening to music and being in in the sound. Mm-hmm. That is why, why I'm, for example, inter- interested in our gaskugel, our gas ball. Yes. because the acoustic I've been in this in this uh, big 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 uh, ball. And I heard the sound and I was really blown away. Oh, wow. So, so that's, that's really something to discover. And I'm sure that children, when they go in, into this big, big uh, thing, it, it will be crazy for them. It's, yeah. it's a crazy experience. You never can get this in a normal acoustic uh, environment.
1: Can you just explain to our listeners what that glass ball is?
2: Well, the glass ball is close to the Zubringer Mitte.
1: <laughs> a highway
2: uh, on the highway, a yes. highway
0: ramp.
2: Yeah, it's, it's close to the highway, and uh, it is a former gas bowl So so there was gas in it, and it still stinks a bit. Does it? It's very dirty. Uh, okay. A oh, lot a gas it. bowl. I
1: just a glass
0: ball. Okay. No, it's yes. not glass. Yes, it's it gas. Had gas in it. Yeah. Okay. My
2: Bavarian English is now um, <laughs> Thinking it's revenge. <laughs> it's gas. Yeah. and it 's very huge it 's uh i think twenty more almost thirty meters high it 's a very big one so it 's like a dome it 's almost right. like if you have ever, ever been in San blasien in the in the basilica, which is also a kind of a round cupola and uh it 's almost that size and so the size- but it 's closed so and it 's metal and so there is echo from everywhere if you do this you get 18 seconds of resonance.
0: Wow. Wow.
2: It's almost endless. So it's not for Beethoven. (laughs) (laughs) Although. (laughs) 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 The problem is you can really ruin your ear if it's too loud.
0: Right. I can imagine. Yeah. It's
2: a a loudspeaker itself. Right. But uh, the experience is comparable to, to the one being sitting on an organ or in an organ yeah i think this is a a very important thing
0: well it's really Really. interesting yeah what you just said also made me think of um one of your pieces um red and blue which (laughs) when i listened to it it felt like a sound bath (laughs) and of course there are some very jarring moments also in the middle but um uh i think you were influenced writing that piece by paintings of Barnett Newman, if yes. if I remember, which um also for people who um maybe are not familiar with his paintings, are are just um huge washes of color. And so that feeling of being bathed in sound is is maybe similar to the idea of this this painter, Barnett Newman, of being immersed in, in color. Was that, can you maybe talk a little bit about that piece? Was that your intention or?
2: Exactly. And, uh, well, I, I like very much what uh, Barnett Newman recommends because you have these huge, huge paintings, but he recommends what you're never allowed to do in a museum to stand in front of the painting, let's say 30 centimeters between your nose and the, the, the painting. So, uh, the impression is very very strong if you if you once get this it's it's very very strong because you have this color in front of you but in the same time you have a huge dimension because you feel it and of course it's and that sounds crazy but it's it's a special moment for your ear because when you stand in front of a painting the sound is different sure. because it, somehow it absorbs sound and on the other hand you get only the sound from the back so it is more sound from yeah. what you don't see. Right. And you don't get the sound from from in front of you because there is this red painting or blue painting over there,
0: That's so interesting. Yeah, of course. Well, and now canvas, we're all gonna be turning on the, the, the alarms. Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, do that.
0: <laughs> we'll all be setting off the alarms, getting so close to the to the paintings. <laughs>
2: Well I think the museums are stupid because they, they don't allow well I understand. Right. But uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. There are certain things that you can only experience in a certain way and that's yeah, that's yeah. a limit in a sense for the It's viewer. the same
2: thing for example if you if you see a, a mobile by Tang uh, by Calder. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did this quite often in museums i just go to this little tiny mobile and i do to make it move and then someone is coming you are not allowed to do this but hey this is the mobile
0: right. <laughs> right that's how it comes to life yes
2: so it it's... has to be dead when it is it is in the museum
0: mm. <laughs> <laughs> That one of the things that I'm encouraging students to do when they're introducing children to instruments is to find out how many sounds you can make with any particular instrument. Okay. And of course, we have the caveat that the instrument cannot be um, damaged. <laughs> but sometimes I also also think that's a little sad because there are so many sounds that you can... Uh, of course, we, we don't want to to damage precious instruments, but there are so many interesting sounds that you can... Um, tickle out of instruments if you um, if you have complete freedom. Yeah, we we maybe need some some more instruments that can be used in that way. <laughs> Um, you can
2: you can put a, a a cembalo in in the pond of the whole school. Someone might have done that. <laughs> well, we did it? I know.
0: <laughs> didn't it have smoke coming out of it too? <laughs> or... Why
2: well, it was meant to, but <laughs> didn't work
0: oh, because it was okay. raining.
2: In in the the moment when it should start to burn, it it uh, didn't start to burn. Unfortunately.
0: Okay. Oh. Okay. <laughs> it was.
2: Th- Namjoon Paik's revenge.
1: <laughs> right, <laughs> right, yes. If I could just throw in a little mini question here, um, I'm hearing from what you're talking about in with the organ and with the painting that you seem to use all of your senses when you're taking in music or a work of art, and does that flow into the way you compose as well?
2: Of course. Well, I I didn't want to become a composer first. When I was in school and I was 17 or something, I wanted to become a visual artist. Really? Yes. Uh, and uh, I, or I still have my the, the map for the application for the entry exam at home. <laughs> but uh, somehow there was a moment I changed completely my mind. It was very interesting, but but I think, and that's true, um, visual arts or other art forms of or everything, but uh, are very important for my composition. And of course, like in red and blue, it's it's obvious, or in an orchestra piece, which is called Yi vasa, which is Chinese. Mean six one slash water, which is not clear. But uh, it's about um, well, I can explain. It wants it wants to be unclear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, it is a piece about uh, twelve paintings or uh, drawings by a Chinese uh, uh, artist from the thirteenth century. So it's a it's a big orchestra piece which has which has a lot of it's a kind of program music if you want. So I'm not uh, against this. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. quite open to this relation, mm-hmm. but also others. Should I explain more? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm interested. How did you, you were you were very strongly influenced by your father's music when you were a child. And then it sounds like the you, there were, you were strongly drawn to the visual arts. Um, how did you find your path then as a composer
2: well as my my family is a musicians family so music was always there and of course it was a, had a strong influence on me but in fact i didn't want to become a musician <laughs> so the only thing i was interested in when i was kind of 15 16 years old was composition because that i was the only i was the only one who did this Everybody hey. thought, okay, in this uh, Bavarian countryside, oh, he's a bit crazy. But uh, uh, that was the only thing I was interested in. But I didn't know how to, yeah, how to go on with this. So, but the, but uh, there were certain moments when uh, music was very strong, when I was around 18, 19 years old. And then I decided, okay, I, I want to study music. But I studied uh, for I started for music teacher, so that means Schulmusik. Oh. Uh, it That was my first because I I, oh. I came really from the middle of nowhere. I didn't know what I can do, and so and I thought ah, doing this there is a lot of different things: conducting, playing violin, piano, blah blah blah, music theory, analysis. I thought, okay, let's let's start with all these things together and then I, I will find out. But when I started as I, because I studied in Freiburg and there was a very, very strong composition class with Brian Ferniho and Klaus Huber and a lot of very interesting composers, colleagues. And I think in the, already in the first semester I knew, okay I will not become a, a teacher in the school. I want to become a composer. So, so, the whole thing went in this direction. And, and
0: what was it that drew you to composition? I don't know. You don't know, that's so interesting.
2: I, it was a bit, maybe a bit, uh, I've seen peaches, pieces or I've, I've uh, heard pieces and I thought, hmm, maybe I can do the same.
0: That is and really then I, did, I then I tried yeah. and it
2: didn't work. Or for example, I remember <laughs> there was a book. There was a book in school, and they were uh, that was very funny. They described uh, Boulez and serialism and Stockhausen, but I never heard Stockhausen or Boulez. Wow, they wow. only described how to make it. Then I decided, <laughs> okay, let's let's make a serial piece. And uh, I did it, I never heard it, but I did it. And, uh, but uh, it took me five or six years to hear my first uh, Stockhausen or Boulez piece.
1: Wow. It was wow. just,
2: I thought, okay, I, one can do something with that. I do that.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Nobody cared.
1: <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> do you think it helped you to start with, um, with lower expectations or with no expectations? to not have a, a really clear idea of yes. what you could achieve
2: yes yes that helped a lot mm-hmm. it kept a lot of things open
1: mm-hmm.
2: so i i was not forced to do anything I, well, I was forced to take all these courses and so on It was less than today but uh i had to do a lot of things and but i uh, things were open and mm-hmm. so yeah yeah, and I, I, it was interesting because then you have the chance to to really to meet people and to 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 get to know what they do, what they are interested in, and uh, and just you have the time that to see someone like uh, Brian or Klaus or other composers, oh, they do incredible things, and uh, okay, when they can do, why why not me?
0: Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. right.
2: and that was very inspiring but to to get inspired you need time Mm -hmm. that means a a space so so if you are always busy 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 and everybody tells you ah you have to do this and you have to do this how can you get inspired because
0: uh that's so true you have
2: to yeah yeah. and that was that was that helped me a lot yes
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and i i finished my studies i i didn't stop Mm -hmm. in the middle so 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 it have worked. A, I have a Staatsexamen. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs>
1: so, this sorry to uh, jump around in chronology, but you said this really, um, really strikes a chord with me <laughs> that you have to have time to get inspired. So, how do you manage that now as a very, very busy professor <laughs> and composer who has classes to teach and deadlines and how do you create the time to get inspired
2: well um... <laughs>
1: <laughs> we need to
0: know this <laughs> yes
2: but uh, well uh what I learned in my uh, is you have to be very well organized that means you have to know a lot of things before then you know where you can have some time for you and for yourself. And uh, it's also th- the way of working, because uh, quite often people may imagine that comp- composition means, OK, he's starting to sit 9 o'clock in the morning after the morning coffees and and finishes his uh, composition uh, practice uh, in the evening at 23 or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. No, I, I I cannot sit for a long time at the table. So when I sit there for one hour, it's enough. I I, I need a break. So but uh, it's very important to to get a rhythm, an unconscious rhythm inside of yourself that these uh, pieces grow without always sitting at the table and forcing them to get into the five lines or whatever. No, no, um, it's very hard, I know. Uh, I struggle with that all the time. And I, I... (sighs) yeah, sometimes it doesn't work.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's how life is.
2: (laughs) Yes, but uh, we should not complain because uh, working in a music school and working with so many interesting students and composers, it's so ins- inspiring, mm-hmm. and it's, it's such a important thing for me. I'm not a composer who wants to do his own thing, and on the other side are the students. It is uh, They have so crazy ideas I would never get. But if I would not know them, if I would not take them in account, or if I would not think about them, uh, it would not help me. Mm-hmm so it is Mm -hmm. it is always a kind of an exchange between them and me and uh that helps me a lot for composition Mm
0: -hmm. i completely agree with that it is incredibly enriching to have the opportunity to be around young people who have ideas very different than my own yeah um i love how you said composing is, you just said something about it being like, um, you have to find an unconscious rhythm. Um, so I don't know, maybe you can expound on that just a little bit. Um, you once said in an interview that you don't consider yourself creative. This is about 10 years ago. Maybe you would not agree with this today, but that, that the problem lies more with the word creative than with yourself. And, um, and then you kind of described composing as something that happens all of the time, but you said it also has to be practiced. Is that kind of what you mean with an unconscious rhythm?
2: Yes. Yeah. That's what something you have to practice, but uh, that you can't practice it uh, consciously. That means you can't uh, sit down and say, "Now I practice my unconscious. Uh, right. It right. doesn't work. <laughs> it is something it, it has. I think it has to do with rhythm. Mm-hmm. uh also with a well, uh not the last two years but uh, the years before i had a very very uh a life without a regular live uh, rhythm yeah but i still but i trained myself i think to get something regular in my life although i was going there and there and there and doing a lot of things in many different countries and uh, traveling a lot and working in different schools and so on, uh, but to find this kind of inner rhythm is is very very important mm-hmm. because then mm-hmm. then you get not you don't panic, mm-hmm. uh, especially when the deadline is close. Uh, you don't panic because mm-hmm. it doesn't help. Panic doesn't help. Uh, it's yeah, but this is something to learn. Uh, in a longer time you can't you can 't learn that i think well I could not learn that in one year or something it's, like well, it's this something yeah
0: that 's something i 'm very curious about too you You describe this <laughs> enigma <laughs> and i 'm wondering how did you has i mean you probably didn 't start your your composing in this way is this something that you that you learned about yourself over time? Do you compose differently today than you did 20 years ago?
2: Yes, I do. But uh, I think not. it's not so much the rhythm is different. That's not so different. Uh, there are, I have a different interest in music. And uh, that's a, but that's quite normal. So I don't want to do, well, there are composers who want to do always the same thing in, let's say more or less the same way. And they're interested to explore one thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, this is a bit boring Mm -hmm. so that, but there is no argument against it is, it is just a different attitude. So I'm more like uh, hopping from one island to another and, 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 and yeah. Uh, trying to be curious. But uh, I think what is very important for my work when I compose is that, let's say, I'm always very thankful when when I know, okay, I'm going to, this piece is going to be played, let's say, in two or three years. Mm -hmm. So I have a long time for that piece. And I take this a long time for that. And uh, it's also, I carry it with me and I don't write uh, scores or something like this. I, I, normally, I, I when I have two years, I'm writing music notes and rhythms for maximum two months. And the rest is just thinking about it mm-hmm. and working on it or drawing sketches or uh, I'm writing texts. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I speak with myself, like in a diary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that helps me because uh, then I can go back, I can read what I wrote half a year ago and I can find out again, ah, I was right or wrong. Or it's, mm. I have to, to think about it in different ways and something like this. It's a, it's a, a long-term marathon yeah. uh, process. And that's, that's very helpful.
0: Mm. Almost like a research um... It is process how you describe it very yeah, it very is. similar mm-hmm.
2: yeah and so I, yeah. I i want i want the piece to talk to me that means uh not i tell i'm telling the piece what it has to be i want to go uh, to come to a certain point where the piece tells me okay do this do that mm-hmm. i want you to do this because it's not about me it's about the piece so uh, and that helps me a lot because if i always have to do things it's it's a it's a very normal regular uh, mistake of of young composers they start to write a piece in the beginning and they start and go on and gone on and on page three they are completely exhausted <laughs> because uh, they always have to rethink the whole thing and this whole thing becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's much better not to do it like this way, to think beforehand and then let it grow itself. And then it will tell you what to do. And then you, it's very easy to write page four and five.
1: Do you think that that process applies to everyone? Because I know that among writers um, of literature, uh, for example, ZD Smith has described Two different basic types of writers. They're the micro writers and the macro writers, and and the macro writers are are pretty much what you describe. That you 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 live with the material, you interview yourself, you meditate on it, and then it comes out more or less in one go. And the micro writers are people like Nabokov who um, would write. A, a scene here and a scene there and a scene that, and put it all together and um so do you think there are different types would that maybe not work for everybody
2: there are for sure different types i would add much more types
0: mm. uh,
2: than the two <laughs> um and of course i i don't work always in the same way it also depends of the, of the the object of desire that means uh uh, some pieces tell tell me you have to do it now, and don't wait uh and it doesn't make it doesn't have to do, to do with quality or something it's just a working process mm-hmm. but uh, uh, I think that's also what we can find out is is to kind of i would say smell how does the piece want to be written <laughs> or to be developed? Because um, it it is different, of course. But uh, just for this marathon quality you need, because you have to teach and blah, 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 um, um, it's important to have some time, especially for bigger pieces. Because otherwise, they they just uh, kill you. Mm
1: (laughs) So could you just briefly describe what this process looks like for you? You mentioned that you sometimes sketch a little, you write a little bit in your journal. Is that different every day? Do you have days where you just sit and meditate and or walk around and think about it?
2: (laughs) Uh, To be honest, I have never a day where I just meditate or walk around. This is not my rhythm. I need time for myself, or quiet time, or something to, to, time to think about. But it's it's not that regular. I'm not writing every day. It's not in that kind of a diary. Uh, I'm sure I will not write anything today, because today is a working day, and uh, I have a lot of things to do, and, and uh, they are too big also, so I'm not free for that. Mm-hmm i'm quite often writing things down in the morning because dreaming is very important so mm. it, to have an idea and then sleeping and in the morning you know something what you would not know the day before so right. i'm writing down in the morning sometimes or uh in very late in the night is also a good moment hmm. so then then something is you're a bit out of time that's that's mm-hmm. very good. because the rest of the day it's Mm -hmm. as we know
0: (laughs) right yeah absolutely
2: well I I almost never uh, take a time out for writing a piece I did that that means uh, time out means uh, the next two weeks are only for me or something Mm -hmm. like this I I almost never did this Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I've been only once in my life in a residency as a composer That was funnily uh, two years ago, <laughs> so I was quite old with my first <laughs> residency, <laughs> and this, these were six weeks in Italy, and I felt really strange because I, I never had so much time for me.
0: <laughs> wow! Was it, was no, it was more difficult? my question. it was not more difficult.
2: Ah, in well. fact, I, fr- I asked myself, oh shit, I can write so many pieces in such a short time. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's, that's uh, the, uh, I would betray myself <laughs> because it's not true. You can do it because you have it once. Mm-hmm. If I would have one residency after another, uh, I get, uh, I run out of it, ideas, I'm sure. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you already described getting, being enriched by being around students. And the particular kind of energy that you find in a in a Hochschule. I'm wondering. We already talked about being influenced by by a painter, and you certainly have really interesting pieces that um, that come that are influenced by dance or um, or by a game. Um, could you maybe talk about what other other art forms are? Are important for you, or um, are there are there specific types of art? If you were thinking about being a visual artist, I can imagine that 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 is something that that's close to your heart. How how have your have your interactions with other art forms influenced you as an artist? Hmm.
2: Well, I think all the art forms are uh, have a, f- a strong influence uh and it depends of context and so on Uh, um well sometimes it's by chance for example i have written a long long piece called anamorphose uh, and uh it was uh created maybe almost 10 years ago but uh two years ago i had the the chance to see it to get together with the dresden frankfurt dance company Wow, in wow. Uh, and also in modern in in Bockenheimer Depot in in uh, Frankfurt so there were suddenly there was a long piece uh, based on art of fugue by bach and uh, there were around 30 dancers doing really crazy things with that and um, it was not my first experience with dance i had a lot of pieces been danced before but this was a very, very strong experience. And that uh, uh, made me think also about music uh, in general, not only oh, I want to do, uh, my next piece has to be a piece for, for dancers and music, not not in that sense. It it made me think about music as being something which is very much related to dance. Mm-hmm. And that's what we, especially in, I think in a music what we don't think about so much. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it is performing art. It is not non-verbal. We are not telling a story in dance. We are creating forms which are, after the performance, they are gone. It's, so it's it's very much li- related to music. It's, uh, we do it with our bodies. They don't make the same sound, but it, mm-hmm. it is uh, somehow the same. And, and uh, I don't want to say, ah, oh, I believe that music and dance come from in 30,000 years from the same uh, origin. That's not my, not my point. I just think that, uh, yeah. I'm a big fan of the muses. That means yes. if, you, if you think of the muses, these are nine sisters. So each of them has a, a certain uh, discipline or something, and they have one mother, and uh, uh, that's Mnemosyne. She's the, the, the goddess of memory. So imagine, and the father is never there because it's Zeus and he's uh, not in the house. So uh, imagine this household. You have a mother, which is very much concerned about memory, and nine uh, young ladies. So there is really im Laden. That means uh, (laughs) there is really, for sure, they are not always friendly to each other and they don't never agree with each other but these (laughs) nine ladies for sure uh inspire themselves in a very strong way and in each of them in a different way and that's that's an idea i like very much Mm -hmm. because then then uh uh, yeah it's more personal Mm -hmm. if i imagine them as a muse and not as a as a discipline okay if I think mm-hmm. of literature, not in the sense of, uh, of a book or an e-book uh, or whatever, I think of a person. And if I think of art uh, as a person, then it's much stronger. And more uh, relatable. Yes, yeah. And I can imagine how they fight each other
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> or how they agree and how they inspire themselves. And uh, that's a, there is this wonderful book by, by Jean-Luc Nancy, uh about the muses and he asks in the very first sentence he asked the n- the nice question why are there nine muses and not not only one? Well it's obvious they don't agree with each other <laughs> <laughs> and that's inspiration I think for me. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's very
2: very inspiring.
1: I wonder do you also um it seems like the way you talk about composing that when you say you wait for it to come to you you wait for it to speak to you like you think of it also as something a person or an entity yeah so it has its own life and how um how do you think young people can learn to have that distance to their creations because i mean i know uh even Even now I find it very difficult to be objective about something that I create and um so is can you work on achieving that kind of distance?
2: Mm, I think uh, I'm I don't agree so much with two words one is objective and the other one is distance Mm, mm -hmm. um of course it's not objective it's very subjective Because if it is an entity, it already has a character. Mm. I don't know it yet, but it's already there. My job is to find out what character it is. And uh, to get to know this, um, I think it's... Of course, there is in the beginning a kind of distance, but we have to come close. But I have to believe that it it is there.
1: I think what I mean is also, um, I think certainly when I was younger, I thought what I create is me. It mm. is mine and it's part of me. Yeah. And there's something very uh, limiting about that perspective. And so do you think the perspective of seeing it as coming from somewhere else, do you think that can be learned, encouraged?
2: Well, well normally we are taught to, to think that it should come from me. This is already a a problem in education, I think. But um, I think what we should uh, teach is, is that it doesn't come from me, although it comes from me. (laughs) Because there is no one else thinking about this entity. Uh, I I try to make a piece out of this. Uh, So I'm the only one who thinks about it. So anyway, it has to do everything of this thing has to do with me, of this entity. But it's the way how I deal with it. Of course, in the end, when there is a piece, I write my name, Ah, blah, 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 (laughs) and composed by blah, blah, blah. Um, But uh, it helps me a lot not to to think about, ah, I want to express myself, because then, as you said, I get a problem. Uh, Who is that? Myself. And uh, It might be a a kind of a horror moment when you discover, oh, there is maybe not so much (laughs) when I find myself. Mm -hmm. But this is a a wrong uh, impression because it is not about this uh, so-called what is there inside of me. It is about what what, and there, I think the word creative is important, what can come out, what can be created Mm -hmm. in dialogue with something what i believe should come come to life but it is also sometimes it's very simple I, I think of a sound or a musical situation and i just think ah i've never heard that before so what can i do that what can i do to make it real
0: mm-hmm.
2: it it's almost that. a
0: coming a coming through you rather than from you yeah, I'm a learn. means. I'm yeah. a means,
2: but I'm not only. I'm everything,
0: mm-hmm. but
2: I'm a means, and I'm not. It's not about me. That's
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for sure. You're the, the life breather. Uh, you yes. you give mm-hmm. give yes. the necessary. You're the channel. <laughs> yes,
2: yes. Mm-hmm. That it, that's uh, that makes things easier.
1: Right. Yeah. It, it reminds me of this notion that uh, the word genius. Apparently, it used to be used only to refer to a, an energy, uh, an entity. Somebody has genius yes. uh, in having created something. And then it started to be used as somebody is a genius and exactly. identifying the creator with the thing they created. And I think that gets us into so much trouble. And it, it's also for, for people who are creating I think it, is, it, it creates so much less pressure to, to imagine that you have a genius and you don't have to be one. <laughs> but mm-hmm.
2: to go back in history, a genius is, is a kind of a spirit which uh, accompanies you through your whole life. So
0: mm-hmm. when you're
2: born, there is a genius.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm so there is this
2: person you never see him but or her or whatever uh uh but it is there it it's it is always with you and i like this is a wonderful image Mm -hmm. because then Mm -hmm. then i if i have to be my own genius it's it's a a shortcut Mm -hmm. so what can i tell myself as a genius i can't Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you're right it's this is really a, a completely misunderstanding which is unfortunately, unfortunately, still very much alive in also in musical education or in education in different, uh, yeah, different situations, musikhochschulen are obsessed about geniuses.
0: Right, right. Well, I think also children do not have this idea of being a genius at all, they they are not encumbered by by our idea of of how they need to be, and that is also a type of freedom that um, or or a lack of fear in in what they um, what they explore and, and how they go through the world. That I'm always very impressed by.
2: I think um, chir- children sometimes create their genius because they have their their dolls and and uh, or talk to persons who are not there
0: right
2: and uh and this is nothing but stupid this is a a fantastic thing and and a diary is in fact a a transformation i think of this genius because it's a partner you can talk to someone Mm -hmm. and it doesn't it's not a human being
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's true
2: so, because when you write down something and you read it later, you think, "Ah, oh, someone—I di- didn't write this." <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, "Oh, what did I mean?" And so on. So, so it's it, you always get a a distance to yourself, and that, ha- that helps a lot. Yeah,
1: that also goes back to the idea of what is me, because yeah. me is what I wrote today is not what I would have written last week, and it's not what I'm going to write next week, and mm-hmm. So that whatever it is that is writing that is is uh is constantly in flux yes. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it really allows us to to be free from
0: fear if we can if we can see that and understand it and I think that's something that um i I think about a lot because I feel like we are held back from what we what we're Capable of letting into the world by by fear, um, this fear of self, <laughs> of what what my what I'm projecting from myself into the world. But if you're if you're allowed to let go of that, you automatically let go of of certain types of fear, um, and and the idea of being vulnerable is is uh, changes a little bit. It shifts <laughs> because the focus is not is not so much on on you, but on what is coming through you. Hmm. Hmm.
1: Yeah. How do you think we I can agree. <laughs> <laughs> How do you think we can shift the focus in in the in music education from looking for geniuses to welcoming genius? <laughs> <laughs>
2: we all know how how conservatories and universities of music work it's very hard and it's a fundamental problem Um, well it's not only because I'm a composer but I think uh, one problem is that we're a bit too much focused on the past and not enough on the present i don't say the future because i don't want to recommend any uh future contemporary music blah 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 or Mm -hmm. something like this it's it's more about uh okay where in which world are we in now Mm -hmm. and uh what i feel is that the conservatories quite often behave as if uh, they don't have anything to do with the rest of the world Mm-hmm. so there is the beautiful music and this is the world we are living in and the rest is oof, doing something but uh it is i think we are betraying on one hand the past because if you really know what uh, happened to people uh, in which kind of world people like schubert or beethoven mm-hmm. and so on live and what they how they react as artists and we ignore this, although we know it. Then it it could be a very good lesson for us to to recognize. Okay, our world is a bit different than we imagine it, or it's not different. It's just uh, hey, open the eyes, see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's I think is a problem. And uh, but one of the big issues today is, of course, that we are in, live in this so-called globalized world and that we have so many cultures also in our school. Because uh, well, I can say that I have one German student, it might not <laughs> be the, the the German student, and the others are from everywhere. Not everywhere, and that's also an important uh, aspect. That's true. There are, there are regions in the world where they don't come from for different reasons. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
2: but uh, what I see is that the conservatories still don't uh react on this fact that there are so many cultures they just go on teaching western uh, uh, classic music Mm -hmm. which is wonderful well i grew up with this Mm is it is my my heritage of course but it is not the only thing Mm -hmm. and i think working with well it's maybe it's it's more direct in in a discipline like composition than in, in others but When I work with someone from China or someone from Iran, then I have always different cultures in the room. Mm -hmm. And I have to uh, accept that I don't know anything about these cultures. And this is very, very important to to find a basis to work together. Mm Otherwise, uh, I just tell them, okay, you are from Iran, so I know how you are, so you have to behave like this. This is stupid. And, or, uh, I, or the other way around, uh, uh, I know what music is, and this is Mozart, Bach, Beethoven, and you have to learn it Basta. And if you are a composer, okay, see the scores of Stockhausen and then uh, go forward. But this is not, a, to say it in short terms, but uh, this is not a good way so it is we are, we are, we have the tendency to explain too much to know always to know the best, know what is the is the case instead of okay uh let things open let plants grow if a plant is small we should not uh immediately cut it or or do something weird with it we should wait what comes out and it's in fact, for cultural exchange, it would be much, much more important.
1: Yeah.
0: Absolutely. It reminds me
1: of that image of the of you blowing on the mobile in the museum and being told not to do that. I think mean, that's what we do in conservatories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Exactly. Well, I'm I'm wondering, I'm I'm gonna push this just a little bit, but I'm wondering if you have I mean it's easy for you to say something like that because you're a composer. And uh-huh. I feel like it's very easy um, for for composers, maybe even educators sometimes to say things like this. We need we need to um, not just concentrate on the music from the past. Um, we need to be in the now. And I'm I'm being a little bit uh provocant on, on purpose, but um how my my real question is, how can regular musicians in quotes, how can they think about music differently, um, because they're going to be confronted with the music of the past for a majority of their time studying in conservatories. This is different for composers, Um, but there's something about this mindset. It's almost, I feel sometimes, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I I feel sometimes almost like composers have the, the license to be creative, and a lot of people feel like they don't have that because they are, their responsibility is to interpret music um, as their, their main focus. And, and of course you can play a lot of new music if you, if you choose to and if you're in the right places, but I'm more interested in, in a specific way of thinking about music um, than, than music even from a particular time, um, because I think that might even be more important can regular musicians also have that have that freedom, how can we incorporate that mindset into the rest of the Hochschule.
2: Yeah, well, first, I think you underestimate the, the constraints of, of composers, okay. but, uh, <laughs> but this, is, this is not the, the question. Um, of course, there is no argument against uh, uh, someone learning a sonata by Beethoven, and they should play it very well. Of course, it is right. important. I think it's important to, uh, that students know better in which kind of situation they are. It's not that they just do it. Yes. That they know better. I'm in this situation, or I come from this country, and my country taught me this. Mm -hmm. And uh, I come to a different country. What what people, uh, a lot of people recognize, but that they don't just uh, accept what is going on. That they try to think, okay, this is my situation here. And I think also uh, what I fear also that this uh, uh, a lot of students will be forced to think about this in the future much more. We already know this because this kind of discussions, we didn't have them 20 years ago. Not in that way. Mm-hmm. We we felt it, but now it's very strong because uh, there are not endless orchestras. There are not endless safe places for musicians to get a job.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And also, as we know, a lot of musicians come from middle class families. So if the middle class is not no longer so that strong as before and doesn't guarantee anything. So there is an uncertainty uncertainty about the future. Right. And uh, of course, this is a, a problem. Uh, on the other hand, it's a chance because it's, it's the way, uh, um, it's a possibility to, to rethink yourself or the situation forces you to rethink yourself. It's not a nice, force, but it's, it's there. And, but it's also a chance. It mm-hmm. is a chance because uh, there are much more different ways how musicians can work and different ways to become, uh, well, not to stop when they are 40 uh,
0: mm-hmm.
2: or something like this.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Because uh, we have to, I think students should, should be able to, to work with themselves that they can go on, even if they don't do all the time the same things. Mm-hmm. So, waiting for that job in the orchestra is sometimes a bit, uh, it doesn't help.
0: Counterproductive, yeah.
2: It's funny because, because uh, of course, because composers have this situation anyway. Nobody is, wa- is waiting for your music. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> so so uh, uh, we know that we c- don't make a lot of money with what we mm-hmm. are doing as an artist. So we have to find ways from the very beginning mm-hmm. uh, to make our living or to, to find ways where can we realize our music in different contexts.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, yeah, and that, that works.
1: Yeah. So that's what we need to be teaching our students to do as performers as well. I think so. Yeah. I, I think, think so. I have are
2: less and less guarantees for anything.
1: That's true.
0: That's true. I have one question that I want to ask you before we end this conversation and it has nothing to do with music I'm wondering is there something that you are passionate about that is music unrelated
2: you mean sports
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh you're a soccer fan <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> a joke. No, but there, I know there are a lot of musicians who are who are uh, big soccer fans. No, I'm mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. And I used, to, of course, because I was grown, uh, I grew up in the mountains. I used to do skiing and all these things. Okay. okay. Uh, well, everybody does it, so you you can't avoid. Great. No, but i i know no sports uh <laughs> I, I i don't know I, I do a lot of things of course i'm interested in a lot of art things and so on uh i i'm very much interested in this culture exchange mm-hmm. or culture cultural encounter things that's very mm-hmm. very interesting mm-hmm. i can uh it, it somehow uh it was also, I think, well, it's my personal situation because my wife is Japanese, so I mm-hmm. live in two cultures mm-hmm. and uh, we speak a kind of uh, mishmash uh, <laughs> of Japanese and, and German at home.
0: Oh, we know about this. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows. <laughs> and and
2: so this is this is a part of my life. And, mm-hmm. and uh, but I think six years ago, I started i was uh, someone asked me to write some texts about different subjects and uh these texts made me cr- uh, crazy and i continued like crazy 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 and it became a book oh, so okay. it's a book it's a book about uh, uh the time let's say since christopher columbus and uh about the the western influence on on the whole world and so on and it wow. will come out next year, and and it will it wants to 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 show the relations between what happened in the world and in politics, etc. And and what are the relations to with music?
1: Wow, mm. well, very well, that current topic.
2: I'm very very much in the famous topic of post-colonial blah blah, <laughs> and uh, all these things. So it's about uh, yeah conquering and uh, the music which was played together
0: oh wow well that'll be something to look forward to yeah
2: so so that is that became a, a very very big thing it will come out next year and there will be also a lot of music and some festivals already picked it up so
0: oh that's great so, so
2: we'll have uh some projects global projects with goethe institute together and and so on wow, and wow. uh that was something which uh took me and i i, I was working for for five or six years and then i had to decide okay stop for now i just stop and Mm -hmm. it's a series of essays so it is it is hundreds of essays Hmm. uh and so i could stop it's not a story (laughs) (laughs) and no science at all
0: (laughs) (laughs) wonderful i'll be excited to read that Mm.
2: so this was something which yeah. took some time.
0: <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. I have one last question. <laughs> last one. Um we've talked about how the world is changing for musicians today and probably I every generation says this but I do have the feeling that it's it's really an intense situation right now between the pandemic and um and the the direction that um our earth is is heading, and the structures that musicians have been able to rely on are are not always um are not always steady. What gives you hope today as a musician working with young musicians uh,
2: the young musicians very simple. It's the people
0: and we're back where we started yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yes people because uh, it's wonderful working with them mm-hmm. and they inspire me and and uh, yeah that gives me hope mm-hmm. there is no other solution and it's the same with techniques everybody is complaining about technique and what technique is to, that technique is destroying everything but by the way we are talking. Through technical devices, with each other. <laughs> and technique is the only way we can uh, save ourselves. If, if that is a much too high, We're a big word, but uh, it, we are humans. We, we are we are technicians from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So it's the only thing w- what helps us. We I think we are only humans because we are technicians in a way, or we have because we have technique. But uh, it's us. So it's people.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a good place to end it for today, I think. Thank you so much, Johannes, again for you, your Johannes. time. And uh, look forward to reading your book sometime soon.
2: Oh, oh, oh. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank
0: you. <laughs> Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for listening to Out of Rich Darkness. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take the time to leave us a review so that more people can find us.
0: You can help us grow our community of positive change by engaging with us. What's on your mind? Who should we talk to next? We'd love to hear from you on social media.